0: Hi everyone, and welcome to the Financial House Podcast. He started his business when he was only 17. Together with his co-founder, he started a service-based business which quickly turned into a web hosting company, Vodian. In 2017, Vodian got acquired by a public company in the biggest deal that was in Southeast Asia for a pure play hosting company. Welcome, Elvin. Today, Elvin has left Vodian, and you can follow his adventures on elvinpo.com. So from starting at SMU to selling your business for 30 million at 33, how does it feel?
1: It's definitely not something that I expected. I didn't you know, start the business thinking or, or knowing that I would have this exit. But but it's definitely a good thing and I, I think it represents and it is a good reflection of the state of the market right now. There's a lot of consolidation, we see a lot of people uh, acquiring and merging with companies. And that's happening all throughout the hosting industry like around the world
0: And I think Asia is going to be the next the next big market There's this famous quote by Steve Jobs that says that You can only connect the dots looking backwards How do you see the dots connect? So Vodian
1: started off as a web design company I mean looking back it's easy to see that You know it's it's the more scalable way It's It's creating a product and you can expand a lot quicker that way But you know when we made that decision back then only thing that we were looking at was to actually find a way to to work on a business that and, and, and still and, and not have it take up so much time because as a web design firm you've so many clients to, to handle, you have a lot of back and forth with the clients and as students back then we didn't really have that capacity or the time to, to do that. And so that's why we looked at web hosting. So essentially I guess we knew that was the more scalable way but we definitely didn't have that as the the main intent back then. So yeah, I mean looking back in retrospect, a lot of things that turned out right not the you know that the exact reason.
0: So actually what would you say is your biggest mistake in your journey so far?
1: I think there are a lot of mistakes that I made uh and some regrets. I think uh, a mistake or regret that you know I have is not spending enough time with my with my stuff. I feel that you know if I had done so going to be whoa, whoa possible to have everybody more happy and more productive. The team that we had spent a few countries, Singapore, Indonesia, uh, Philippines and India, I spent the most time on Singapore, like a disproportionate amount of time in Singapore. And I guess I should have spent a lot more time elsewhere.
0: So actually on that note, if you could go back in time and give your 20-year-old self some advice, what kind of advice would you give yourself?
1: I guess uh, I should do the things that I feel less passionate about. I, th- I think for me it's easy to get uh, distracted by the day to day and the the goals of the business and neglect things like you know human resources or basically like interacting with uh, the people on your on your team and it's easy to to be focused on like the people that are around you, which, which is what is happening in Singapore and my team in Singapore. The people who are in other offices uh, they don't get enough attention, I feel. And, you know, if I could have, like, done it differently, I think I would have spent much more time developing, growing the people, and the structure that we had in, like, the other offices. I think that's one of my biggest biggest regrets. It is important, I mean, yeah. number one, it helps morale, and number two, it helps you as uh, as somebody in the management better understand what's going on on the ground, mm. so you can make better decisions, both on, like, an organization, organisational standpoint, and, you know, like other things like customer support or whatever functions you have running on the ground there.
0: So on that note, <laughs> what role do you think that education has played in getting you to where you are today? I think that's a very
1: very interesting question because for me education is an area that's very close to my heart. And one of the things that, one of the changing points in my life is the fact that I could go overseas to study. Just doing that really opened my perspective because I met a lot of people who were very different from people I've experienced and met in my life in Singapore. Uh, so I went to Carnegie Mellon in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. And the people that I met there, they were, they, not, not everybody was like that, but there were some people that were, they were really passionate and very, very interested in the subjects that they did. Like, especially in computer science and computers in general, programming, technology. And and so it became very clear, like, uh, for example, if you go to an exam and you you have two students who go to the exam, both of them, they get an A. Two students, you realize that, you know, these two people can be completely different. Uh, one of them can be like, you know, the typical, typical person I meet in Singapore, you know, it's a person who's like really good with uh, exams, knows exactly what to study and, and how to how to score. The other person could be like, so truly passionate in the subject that he knows the, the subject inside out. So that's something that I, I feel that I experienced when when I when I went overseas. Having the right kind of education, I feel, can really transform people. I think my PSLE was pretty, pretty okay, but when I went to secondary school, I didn't really study very hard, and it was only in secondary four that I realized that, you know, all my friends suddenly disappeared, right, and, and then I had to study because, because uh, you know, there was this like O-level exam that year, and, and I didn't really, the importance of it, but but thankfully I had the you know because my friends were not around I had the I I didn't I had so much time that I, I just started studying more and then that got me to the next the next phase of my life I actually went to a JC for the first three months but then I, I I I really didn't like it because I thought I was getting out of secondary school right and that was done but then I realized the JC was like exactly the same in fact maybe even worse so that's what got me. You know, looking around and you know, that's how I got to a uh, poly. Yeah, I, I, think, I think having the right kind of education in the sense that people or students know why they're studying is important. In the system that I went through at least back then, 20-30 uh, years ago, the how was emphasized, right? Like how you study the, the subjects, but the why wasn't very emphasized. Why do you need to study? Why are you doing this? Why are you learning the subjects you are learning? They don't have like uh, role models or inspiration or or people to look up to 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 understand what the future could be if they they got some measure of proficiency in the subject. Mm. So I think I think education needs to reflect that and and be more of a multi-pronged
0: approach rather than just the one single path. You talk a lot about your experience at Kanagi uh, Mellon. Do you recommend that? younger students these days, try to spend some time overseas as part of their education?
1: Yeah, for sure. Um, One of the things that I'm trying to do is I'm working on this startup called newyork.sg. That's actually a program that brings Singapore students on a month-long program overseas. And that, that program is, is specifically catered to give them as much career exposure, as much uh, you know insight into overseas life as possible so the idea is to give them a sense of uh, possibility so when they return they are like completely changed as a result because they see things that they previously had not seen or or even thought was possible you know hopefully that changes them completely
0: As an entrepreneur, I'm sure that you're very familiar with stress. Personally, how do you deal with stress?
1: It helped that I really liked what I was doing. I I like technology, I like computers, and that's what got me started on the whole business. Also, I I completely believed in the vision that we had, which was not just have a successful business, but to actually provide uh, the best hosting experience for our customers. And, And so that was the reason why we came up with the four pillars that Vodian had. Uh, speed, security, support and stability because these were like the pain points that the industry faced like if you were a customer of the hosting industry those were the pain points that you know you will have and we knew that because we were customers ourselves so when we first started we were actually web hosting customers ourselves and we went through the whole process where we like hosting accounts and we realised we always had downtime or whenever we had issues and we needed help nobody was there we used to work all throughout the day and night, sometimes we would have to get the like, issue solved at night like like at 3am and we couldn't get hold of anyone uh, because everybody all operated on like business hours. So that was very disruptive. We, we got a really good idea of what problems people faced. So then when we created the business, we were focused on solving those pain points. Mm. And so that gave us a very, very strong idea of the vision that we wanted to to pursue and once you have that, it's it's a lot easier to wake up and know
0: why you're doing the things you're doing. Most businesses, they fail in their first two to three years. I think about 80% of businesses fail there. But yours was an amazing success story. Do you have any advice today for a young person who wants to quit his job and start a business? At least for the startups that I've seen recently, it roughly
1: falls into two camps right now. One is the uh, people who want the next fantastic business idea that, and hope to be the next Uber or Airbnb, WhatsApp, Snapchat, you know, Instagram. I think that's great, but it's, it's quite a big leap. The other way to start a business is, is to actually start a service-based business. So that's a business where you can actually like, be profitable in your first day or your first month where you're actually clients getting paid for the work they are doing And then you can slowly explore entrepreneurship because you've got to start handling things like accounting, HR, finance, marketing, sales, whatever. um and so that gives you a a, a really good in-depth way of getting your, your feet wet or your, your hands dirty and, and learning how to be an entrepreneur. So I think that's the best way to to do so. So if I'm
0: hearing you right, it's a lot about starting small and going from there.
1: Yeah. I mean with anything in in life also I feel you've got to actually go do it, right? And sometimes people don't want to be an entrepreneur because they don't know how and they want to start by like achieving all that great success on day one but you know that's not realistic right like even if you play football you're not gonna be like a superstar footballer that's not gonna happen you're gonna have to start small you know start learning the, the movements and the skills one at a time and
0: you know you're gonna be bad at it there's a process also with entrepreneurship do you have any tips for such an entrepreneur who is trying to come up with an idea for a business He should start do you think he should start with something he's familiar with or something that there's a market demand for?
1: Yeah, for sure. I, I feel that it's a process. It, first of all, has to be something that is close to him. So in terms of whether or not he is good at it or whether or not he likes the topic, those are those are advantages to people. Because, I mean not everybody is good with numbers or not everybody is good with technology. If you are good at it or if you have that passion for it, then that naturally like sets you up with an advantage over other people.
0: A lot of the new startups these days are built around raising lots of VC cash, uh, private equity, and they employ a high cash burn strategy. For Bodian, you guys bootstrapped the company entirely in your early days. Which do you think is the better approach for someone these days?
1: Well, it really, really depends. Some businesses really require... a a high cash cash burn some businesses they really require a lot of capital especially like for inventory or research and development even things like building IP intellectual property like for games or films you need capital for that because in the production time or, or in the development time you're not going to get paid for it So you definitely need capital for it. Not every business requires that. And so if you start maybe service-oriented or service-based, for a business like that, I really don't think you should start with a, a very high cash burn. You shouldn't start looking at fancy offices or any of the optional extras. I think you should look at First of all, to be profitable, because I mean that's essentially what
0: a business is, right? That's now. actually an interesting point because a lot of the big startups these days, things like uh, WeWork, Uber, mm. they're actually not even profitable. Yeah. You just mentioned that being profitable is a big part of your philosophy.
1: Yeah, I mean, from what I see, it's it's one of the more important metrics of a business. If it's pro- if you are profitable, then you will survive, and it's easy to grow because I mean you've got the profits to do so, and that's like the number one signal of a successful business. I know there are businesses out there, like like you mentioned, uh, Uber, WeWork, that might not be profitable, but maybe they have a long-term business plan in that case. And if that is the nature of their business model, then fine. I think people just need to understand that not all businesses are the same. And so you shouldn't just start a business thinking that you can get capital and thinking that you have a high cash flow burn and thinking that you shouldn't be profitable. I think eventually even the Ubers and the WeWorks, they need to be profitable. So, so it's, it's, I think it's just a matter of perspective.
0: There's a lot of talk these days about how it's becoming harder and harder to raise fresh financing because we are approaching the more advanced stages of the credit oh, cycle. Credit, yeah. Yeah. As an entrepreneur with close ties to the startup space, what, what are your thoughts on this?
1: Well, I mean, if you don't have to raise capital, then that would be even better. Then you don't have to worry about all that credit. But I mean, if you do, you still can get financing from like banks or from like friends or, or from other people. Especially if you do have a viable business idea. Like if you don't, if you don't go crazy with your expenditure, if you have a sound business plan, if you can show that you have the capabilities, the resources, the know-how to actually find clients, sell product. You know, that's that's the that's the bedrock of any any business and if you come up with a plan like that i'm i'm sure credit shouldn't wouldn't be a problem
0: from your perspective how do you see the entire startup and entrepreneurship space evolving over the next five to ten years
1: well i think businesses these days are very different in in the way that they have evolved over the years when when i was first starting my business i realized even something like starting your website was a really tough process you don't get site builders or like ready-made template and these days when you want to start a business or a website uh you can get any of the, any of those services and that's that's incredible because that shortens that cycle so much and you don't need like people to help you with that process it's pretty much anybody that can use a computer can actually get a website running already and so that really lowers the barrier for people to To just like start something, it's easy enough to just create a website now, so you can start selling your products and services already. I think that's gonna be the case for a lot of a lot of things that you know businesses require. Even marketing is gonna be a lot easier because you know it's easy to create an ad account and start like testing ads. In the past, there wasn't even like online ads. You had to use like classified ads or you got to take out newspaper ads or, or media ads. Uh, and so I think the whole process is going to be geared towards like making things a lot a lot easier to for businesses to to handle, such that you know the commoditized services are no longer something that people should worry about, and the focus starts to gear towards what your differentiating factor truly is and what kind of value can you bring to the table.
0: But with the barriers of entry coming down so much, competition will go up, and mm. like it's mentioned, it's going to be a more differentiated kind of mm. competition. Yeah. So should the bigger companies be worried? About the future.
1: The bigger companies, I, I feel the bigger companies always should be worried. Because the bigger you are, the the higher the chance of disruption. Simply because a small player can just come in and focus on a small niche. Something that a big company can never do. We see happening all the time, right? Big companies, Nokia, Kodak, you know, they all get disrupted because sometimes they grow too big to and they are no longer nimble. So they can't they can't like react that well. Or they can't move as fast as the smaller player. Uh, I think that's always gonna be something that will happen and people
0: need to be worried about. believe in the concept of born on entrepreneurs? People that are born, who are good at business, who've <laughs> been selling things to their classmates since young?
1: Maybe that helps. I like I don't know if it's because you're born that, that way that's why you, you go like do entrepreneurial stuff and sell things when you're a kid, or is it because you know Maybe you weren't born that way, but maybe because your circumstances needed you to find income or find money. So for for me at least, when I was young, I was selling stuff as well to my classmates and and what whatnot. And I know part of the reason why I did so was not because you know I was just curious, but because there was this need. I needed pocket money. I needed an allowance. And it was either go work at McDonald's for $5 an hour or, or like find a way to have a part-time income. And so like entre- being entrepreneurial was like the next logical step. Something that seemed very natural to me because it was like one of the more viable options out there.
0: There's this famous question by Peter Thiel that he likes to ask startup founders. Tell me one thing you know to be true. It can be anything, but which not many people would agree with.
1: Well, I, I think focus is super important people don't know how to say no enough, you probably have to say no to a lot of good ideas or even great ideas in order to focus on the one single thing that will make a difference in your company. Or in your life actually, it happens anywhere. Actually, there are a lot of
0: startup founders that talk about how the idea itself is cheap, but execution will make or break the company. Is that something you agree with?
1: Absolutely. Absolutely, I think operational excellence, organizational excellence, executional excellence, that's something that would truly differentiate uh, a good company from a great company a success from somebody who might not um, succeed. I-, I completely agree. then that's the way that you know Odean was run as well. I mean it's a whole different kind of worms. Uh, there's a lot to talk
0: about in that aspect focus i think it's one of the key things let's also so talk a bit about investments after selling your company for 30 million what's your investment strategy for yourself these days keep it simple <laughs> that's my strategy after
1: i mean i've tried investing on my own i tried trading on my own and after like going through all of that i feel like the the best thing to do is just to keep it simple let the market do its work and you know, the only, the only way you can do that is truly is to be diversified as possible. Uh, let time do its work.
0: So on Financial house, we actually get a lot of young 20, 30-year-old investors who reach out to us to ask for tips on investing. From your perspective, what kind of advice would you give to an investor like that?
1: I know that when I was 20, I was a, a lot more impatient. And so I was looking more for like short-term gains. But I think the more important thing is to be patient, to know that investments Investing is a really, really long term game it's, it's almost lifelong actually And so the longer your horizon, the better you'll be And I feel that you know, if you can just set aside money Put it somewhere, not look at it at all um, That would probably be the best
0: You've actually recommended a lazy portfolio on your blog yeah. could, could you elaborate a bit about what the lazy portfolio amounts to?
1: So, so it's, I mean, it's exactly what I've, I I just said about like uh, keeping things simple. When you set money aside, you set it aside into an investment vehicle that that is diversified enough. And a lazy portfolio is is really that it's it's simple and it's so diversified because it includes the entire world. And so you basically just buy into uh, the 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 world, the index, um, and and. <laughs> Literally, that is it. So you buy the ETF that mimics the world uh bench the benchmark of the the world's uh, markets, and you just keep your money there. And basically, over time, historically, we've seen the world stock markets perform at uh you know I don't know numbers offhand, but it's it's an incredible amount. Uh, I think one of the greatest forces in the world is capitalism. Given enough time, the the world's economy the world's enterprises and as a result the world's stock markets will reflect that value so I, I guess that's the best way the lazy portfolio just basically allows you to take part in that yeah you just you just buy
0: that one product your entire portfolio is comprised comprises of one or two funds that's it so from a longer term perspective i agree that the stock market will always go up over time but on a short term perspective let's say two to three years there yeah. could be downturns in the credit cycle mm-hmm. that yeah, cause investment sure. to go down for sure so With a strategy like this do you advocate for averaging in over time or making one big lump sum investment i think
1: averaging in is definitely a more psychologically acceptable uh, mechanism i've been looking around and there are studies that that show that given a long enough time frame a lump sum investment is actually the better way of doing things but that says assuming that you can hold it for that long a time we are talking about ten years at least 10, 20, 30 years. I mean over that amount of time everything gets averaged out and you know you, you you don't see the blips. The even the two three year downturns become just a short like blip in the
0: in the in that whole like chart. So I guess for yourself you <laughs> did a lump sum investment. I did, but mm. back then I did. Yeah. From your perspective as an entrepreneur. How do you see the global economy evolving over the mid to longer term? With things like the trade war, things like interest rate cuts in play?
1: I think right now we are in a very volatile time. It doesn't help that you know the US and the, the, and China are in, in that trade war. I feel that that's only going to be made worse because the elections are coming up and you know we've got to see what happens in the US. Everything is going to be very speculative as a result. So the best thing to do is actually really come up with a strategy that's robust enough to take all these things into consideration and to know that if you're investing in something, then you know, what is your horizon and whether or not you need that cash that you're investing. The only thing to do is to really stick to the plan that you come up with.
0: So I guess based on your investment strategy, you don't invest in things like EC funds or private equity.
1: Um, I actually do but it's a certain percentage, like, it's not the core of my portfolio. So I have a core portfolio that's uh, stable, that's very simple, that's you know, basically hands-free. And you know, I have a certain percentage to look at alternative ins- investments and you know, more spe- speculative ones. That's just you know, tactical in nature and because you know, there are certain things that I might want to explore but I-, I don't want my entire wealth to be in that. Do you invest in high-risk investments
0: like cryptocurrencies?
1: yeah i actually did dabble in it but again it was just a small amount Uh, mostly because i know that it's not going to be my core Uh, but it's also something that seems uh like a very popular thing to to be part of so yeah so as long as the portfolio is robust enough to take into consideration all these things I, i think it's a fair thing to do so then you know that if something goes wrong with one of the more speculative investments that you make it's not gonna affect you Oh, it's not going to impact your portfolio that much. Yeah. Did you make any money on your cryptos? Um, I I think it's it's been like hit and misses. Yeah. Yeah. So. Yeah. Again, I I'm I'm just glad that I I know that I only committed that much. So, yeah.
0: So to me, that was that was fine. But as a tech guy, do you think that cryptocurrencies are here to stay? Are they going to grow into the next big asset class? I like what. Facebook did with
1: Libra. I think that might be a real game changer, but we'll see. That's that's essentially not. Um, well, it is a digital digital currency, but it's it's going away from uh, what we knew of with all the ICOs and crypto the coins. Um, so uh, that that's probably going to be a lot more legit, and if it if it really works. I think we're going to see a huge
0: change in the way that we we conduct trade and we do business globally. So now after selling your company for 30 million, what do you plan to do next with your life?
1: Find a way to give back, I feel. like Education is one part of my philosophy that I, I feel very strongly towards. I don't see how I can have a greater impact on people. Start you know, maybe teaching more about entrepreneurship and showing people more about what's possible. It's going to be something that I'll be focusing on. And um, I'll also be looking at investing as well in, in terms of like being part of uh, startups. Those are the two areas that I want to be looking at. At least for the next year, that's that's going to be my direction. So who knows what will happen in the future.
0: So we've come to the end of the Financial House podcast. But before we end off, if you can give some advice to all the twenty plus year old investors and readers out there in one sentence, what would that be?
1: I think I like what we talked about: focus. You know, when I was when I was younger, I was very susceptible to that as well, uh, and it's known as the shiny object syndrome. So, both in my personal life and in my business life, there was always, you know, something very shiny, something very attractive that you could be working on that you could just do. It's such a distraction from what you should really be doing and and pursuing in order to get to where you want to be so for example if we were wanting to grow our business to be the best hosting provider in singapore you know there were other things that we could be focusing on as well like you know we could we could work on say uh, maybe introducing a site builder in our portfolio or you know linking up with say other service providers to provide like all-in-one solution to our customers you know these are all all things that seem to make a lot of sense, but if you really look at it, it's, it's not going to make you the best hosting experience in Singapore if you, if you go pursue all these things. In fact, that will just dilute your messaging and dilute your focus. So I, I think the one important thing that people should really do is just, just focus. Learn how to identify what your, your main goal is and learn how to say no to almost everything else that's not going to help you reach your main goal.